are so glad you're here with us this morning. Please make your way to your seats and stand up. We're going to get ready to worship our Lord this morning. These are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant Moses, righteousness being restored. Praise the Lord for salvation. Amen. Anybody lose the Bible? It is, oh, KJ and Jennifer. That's Jennifer's. Uh, she probably has it memorized. She probably doesn't need it. So anyway, uh, anyway, I think we wore everybody out last night. Unfortunately, we uh, had a tremendous success at our fall festival. Amen. And uh, Steve and Julia and so many volunteers pitched in, uh, transformed this place into a kid's playland. And we had a bounce house that was touching the ceiling over here and took up that whole corner uh, that I wanted to get in. But I knew I'd probably still be in it if I did. And uh, so I chose not to. But uh, we had games and everything, just so much participation. Uh, parking lot was over full. Uh, folks were having a place, having trouble parking. So uh, the kids had a great time, uh, but the beauty of it all, the beauty of it all, we were sitting over here, like I said, the bounce house took up so much, you know, 
and it's kind of right here on the step. It was kind of he was kind of hidden back here, and uh, this his name is gentleman's name was uh, uh, Ken Barnes. You know he had to be a great guy, last name Barnes, and so uh, he was just sitting here and he had probably had the best spot in the house. He was kind of hiding back here and all the stuff. So uh, God put him a heart, just came over, sit down with him and. Asking about him and his family, and they're having, they're about to have their third child. Uh, they may make it in here shortly. They were really wanting to come. They just started talking, and he really started asking questions about the church, how we got there, how it came about. It kind of led in and to that. And I said, well, let me tell you a story that's even better than this church. And, and uh, he goes, oh, really? And uh, he goes, what's it about? I said, it's about me. <laughs> he thought that was funny. I said, but it's not about me. I said, it's really about what Jesus did for me. He goes, oh, what did he do for you? And we got to sit here for, I bet you, 45 minutes, probably almost an hour. And uh, it took a little, usually longer than you do in my testimony, uh, just painting a picture of uh, what God brought me through and, and the football camp in Estes Park, Colorado. Uh, he loved football and so connected there. And so I got through, and he goes, wow, that's, that's cool. And uh, I said, yeah, I said, transform my life. I said, have you ever heard that in that detail? He goes, I've never heard that. I said, do you believe in God? He goes, oh, yeah. I said, Jesus? I mean, do you have a problem with Jesus? No. I, he goes, I believe in God and Jesus. I don't have a problem with it. And I of course, took him back to you know, the promise of the gift. He goes, no. He said, I've never prayed. He said, I, I, I guess I'm not saved according to what you said. And so just kind of reiterated some points again, but sitting right here on this second step last night, he prayed and asked Christ to come into his heart and uh, to get saved. And so all the bounce houses, all the work, all of the you, the parents and, and the members that volunteered and served and stayed till 9, 9.30 cleaning up, if it was all for that one soul, when we get to heaven and... Jesus says, or Peter, who's ever at the gate, and we always give credit to Peter, why should I let you in? He can say, because I went to a fall festival in 2023, and I got to hear the gospel. And uh, so that was, uh, I was excited for him, and uh, not for sure, didn't get time to spend with his wife, but hopefully we will, got his name and number. But like I said, if nothing else, it was worth it for that one soul, so Thank you for everybody that participated, all the work that went in. So much was on Julia's plate with what's going on in their family. Uh, but as always, Julia being Julia was a trooper, and she got everybody involved, and, and so many people carried the load and did so much for us. So thank you again for your effort and everything and what it brought about. And that leads us to this contraption up here. And uh, what they started last week on Wednesday night, in a children's church, they started obviously decorating pumpkins that were here last night with the numbers for a, uh, you know, the, uh, not a drawing, but, you know, contest. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word. And, uh, and so hopefully you had opportunity to put a sticker in or a piece of paper. What you voted on was the best. And, and I didn't myself because I, I was like, I wanted to vote for like four of them. I was like, man, I couldn't pick one. And so I really didn't have a vote in it, but we do have a winner. And so the winner was that the, they were supposed to get a gift card, and uh, I didn't do that. So I just, cash is king, so they just get cash instead of a gift card. But this morning, we're, how did the numbers start? Oh, did anybody get a chance to vote last night? Yeah. 
Anybody vote for number one? Raise your hand if you voted for one. Which one did you pick out? Steven, did you pick one? What, you voted for five? All right. Anybody else vote for five? Oh, two fives. Anybody? Uh, you voted for five? Oh, you, you're not old enough to vote. You're not. <laughs> so anyway, they were in a bu bucket up here. So uh, Peggy took the bucket back there. And uh, it, it was, uh, uh, that's about as honest as you can get, is Peggy counting. And so our winner, Stephen, number five. How about that? You may have been the deciding vote. So where's number uh, one, two, three, four? Is this five? All right. Who is responsible for this contraption? Yardley. All right, there's your pseudo gift card, okay? I just I just turned it into cash for you, okay? So anyway, so here, oh, you got to take this back. Hey, hey, this is yours. All right. Thank you. Great job, Yardley. Great job. Uh, a few more guys. If you, can I get a few guys up here to maybe just set these to the side so we'll have a place to pray here shortly? Don't but shh, shh, quietly, quietly. <laughs> So anyway, uh, we, as you can see, we had a great time last night. If you're joining us online, we're so honored to have you with us. Uh, as always, Richard, standing by, let him know you're there. Say hi. He can be a blessing in every way, answer your questions. But we always ask you in the bottom right-hand corner is the tab for prayer requests. Let us know how we can be a blessing to you, be praying for you. It's always private, always secure. That only goes to one source. It's not shared or broadcast. But we want to know how we can be praying for you specifically. But any questions about the service, Richard's online. If you want to reach me directly, it'd be Todd at cfchurchtx.com. We'd love to uh, talk with you, pray with you, and be a blessing in every way we can. Uh, just a few announcements, and uh, I will shut up for the time being. Uh, Wednesday nights, remember, starting November 1st, the first Wednesday in November, we're going to suspend our fellowship meal. We'll still have service that afternoon, uh, but we're going to suspend the fellowship meals through uh, November and December because of so much activity that's going on, and we got uh, meals and uh, celebrations coming up as a church as a whole. So mark that on your calendar. We'll still be meeting at 7 o'clock for Bible study, but suspend the meals starting in uh, November. Then the 29th is the Lord's Supper. We always love the Lord's Supper. It's a great time of reverence and and just being still and knowing he's God and celebrating what Christ and who and what Christ is in our lives. So that would be the 29th. And then, again, November the 4th is uh, church cleaning. And uh, so, again, we had a great participation last month. I appreciate that. We had about 10 or 11 folks here. We got the whole thing done in less than an hour. Uh, we could have if we would have shut up and stopped talking. But anyway. We, uh, we got it done quicker than usual, so if you can, mark your calendars. Be here on the 9th at 9 o'clock, excuse me, the 4th at 9 o'clock for church cleaning. And then, as we talked about suspending our Wednesday night, on the 19th is our Thanksgiving fellowship. And that will be on a Sunday. That will be right after Sunday morning service. We'll open up the kitchen, fellowship hall. We'll stay after and have a uh, Thanksgiving meal as our church family. And so be a part of that great opportunity to invite folks. Amen? All right, I think that's it. Yes, sir. On the 18th? Okay, so if you, uh, you've, uh, some of us have been involved with uh, Stephen. I know Sam and I are going to be involved again this year. 
uh, he does a great job. We prepare uh, a Thanksgiving meal, and it's a large meal, and we take it out to more or less a homeless population uh, staying in a particular area, and we serve them a Thanksgiving meal and get to uh, share the gospel, pray with them. So if you'd be interested in being a part of that, get with Stephen or Carmen. That, as he said, that'll be the 18th, the Saturday before. And so it's a great way to just to get out there and, and to be a servant and share the gospel, to pray with others. So, uh, again, if you want to be involved with that, get with Stephen and Carmen. Thank you. Yes, sir. What is We got visitors. You want to introduce them? They're Amen. Honored to have you. And we got visitors right beside you. Oh, look at that. <laughs> now, this is great. Uh, Indy and I, you know, have the opportunity to teach at Greenville Christian. And uh, the school, once a year, does what's called BMW, Be My Witness. And the school goes out in the community and, and serves in like six or seven different locations in the community. The student body does. And uh, one of the locations is Helping Hands, which is a downtown uh, ministry for adults, uh, provide a myriad of opportunities. Well, she serves on a monthly, weekly. Okay, so she serves, uh, she serves there. So India went there and uh, going around visiting the different students. And India got to meet her there at Helping Hands. So that's how they came by because of India. So we're so glad you are here, and we're excited about that. And, all right, oh, y'all snuck in on me. Who's this in the back? Nina? All right. Oh, beautiful children. Look at that little one. Oh, awesome. We're so honored. Thank y'all so much for letting us uh, uh, serve you this morning. I hope we're a blessing to you in any way. Uh, Afterwards, I'd love to say hi to you and shake your hand. So uh, just pray that you're blessed today and uh, make sure you get by and introduce yourself to them, uh, Covenant family, and uh, we'll make this a great morning. Amen? Amen. If we can get our, oh, yes. Paisley. Oh, did you pay somebody to come to church with you? Oh, who's your friend? Introduce her. Ah, uh, hey, Rebecca. All right, gentlemen, if you come forward and we'll pray over our service this morning. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for such a wonderful day for all the visitors here. We pray um, a blessing. Thank you so much for the spirit that's with us today that, that we can extend that and our friendship to all throughout the community. Thank you so much for all the blessings you do give us, especially this son who died for us on the cross. Bless the gifts, bless the giver today. Bear with us and let us each get what we you want us to have out of today's get together. Lord, we thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
prototype. while we're finishing up the offering uh we want to make sure that this didn't slip by but uh we have a birthday this morning i don't know i can only wonder usually somebody sits on the third row second chair in so we're gonna have joy come up here and we're gonna watch her husband serenade her with a happy yeah. birthday <laughs> Miss Deborah or
there's a lot of a lot of people that feel like nothing is enough and when we look at what's going on in the world sometimes you know down here we've had wars break out we've had financial stuff happen in our country we've had so many dramatic events but you know that heaven's just like this heaven doesn't have to shift god doesn't have to say oh plan b what am i going to do god has everything lined out for his glory and for your good and that is enough to bring peace that's enough that we can say you know he is our portion he's everything we need and we can come to this altar and start this minute to have that type of relationship with him we don't have to fix it and and make the pizza he already delivered it all we have to do is say i'm going to taste and see that the lord is good so let's come to our prayer time and let's talk to that god Oh 
Gotta love the name of Jesus. Uh, at this time, those that are visiting, what we do, we, uh, if you would like, our children have uh, actual children church of their own, and so we dismiss them this time, and they can go with uh, the ladies leaving in the back, and uh, we got teachers back there that'll take them through their lesson this morning. So I can assure you, they will be blessed by our teachers back there, bar none. So uh, uh, this morning. Bear with me here. I want to look at two passages out of the book of Psalms. Uh, both deal with David, King David. One reveals and shows us where his heart's at, what he's dealing with. The other one reflects on the decisions he made. Uh, the first one we'll be able to relate to uh, very easily. Many of us this morning, it may have been last season, you may be coming up to a season you're not aware of. But we can, we can hear David's cry. We can see his heart. The second passage I really want to focus on is seeing how David responds to that. And this takes place in Psalms 37 to 39. But when we see David's reflection and how David uh, interacts with God, that while we can learn from the first part of his life where his heart's at, what we really need to focus on this morning is learn how to emulate what David was able to do. And uh, I titled it this morning, The Key to Godliness. Uh, part of me says it's how to have success in spiritual struggles or spiritual battles, which life has. But So uh, let's look at this. I want to read a passage here. We're going to start in Psalms 39, 1 through 5, and lay a foundation here. Then we'll get into the meat of our truth this morning. But this will reveal where David's heart is. Uh, don't know for sure, possibly this psalm, if you look back at 1 Samuel, I think it's 12. This psalm could be related after David's time uh, or his act of adultery with Bathsheba. Uh, but when we look at David's life, we know it had its extremes of highs and lows. How God used him in miraculous ways. Also, his again, his adultery, his own son Absalom trying to kill him. He had already dealt with Saul the years before, even though he was anointed by Samuel before his ministry started. David had huge fluctuations in his life, so much like we do. So let's read here, and it's Psalms 39, 1 through 5 we'll read. It said, uh, I will take uh, heed to my ways, that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bride, uh, with a bridle, while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence, 
I held my peace, even from good, and my sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot, it was hot within me. While I was musing, the fire burned. Then spake I, uh, uh, spake I with my tongue, Lord, make me to know my end. Has anybody ever been there in life? Like, God, just, uh, I would translate it, God, just show me what's going on. Reveal to me what, you know, what am I doing wrong? You know, convict me, Holy Spirit, reveal my heart. But, you know, where's my path here? Where am I going? What's going on? Why is all this befalling me? Make known to me my end and the measure of my days, what it is that I may know how frail I am. Behold. Behold something. Yeah. Behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth, and my age is nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether what? Vanity. Man, we can try so hard in life, can we not? Lord, you know I'm trying, and we do. We're not perfect. I think everybody has a degree of humility, especially when life has befallen them. When they're this say, you know, number my days or reveal my ways, we get to a point that, you know, humility will naturally start coming out. The deeper you get, the more you're oppressed, harder life beats you up. The trials and tribulations, you know, it will force a humility out of you. David gets to the point of saying, look, it doesn't matter what I conjure up. It doesn't matter what I plan, what I orchestrate. It doesn't matter how wise I think I am, what resources I have as the king of Israel. I'm vanity as human. I, I, I'm nothing without you, God. So you can hear David's voice. You can hear David's cry. David was experiencing what many of us are feeling in times of trouble. We may be in that season right now, one of us or two of us or many of us, that we're crying out, what is the measure of my days? What is my purpose? What's going on? How long is this going to last? What's the outcome? Don't know about you. I can, we could probably all get up here and, and, and spend a day, but be it you're, you're in your 20s, your 40s, 50s, 60s, it doesn't matter. Uh, the more we age, we probably have some longstanding response in our heart that, that bothers us. What I mean by that, we have that proverbial stumbling block in our spirit. That, that, that whatever it is, it springs up unintentionally in our heart. Uh, we don't plan on it. But all of a sudden, it comes out of nowhere. It's like a storm that just, just pops up, you know. Uh, it may be anger, anxiety. You know, it may be envy. It may be resentment. Uh, it can be a myriad of things. Uh, frustration, discouragement, all these things come about. You know, irritability, uh, impatience. Uh, everybody's super patient, are we not? You know, impatient. But these things can come upon us in times of trouble. And, and, and we don't want them there. They burden us. And, and it could cause us to weep over it. We weep to God. God, take this out of me. I don't want this spirit. I don't want this, this countenance about my life. Uh, you know, we ask close friends to pray for us or pray over us. That i got to get this stumbling block out of my life. It, it, just, it just weights us down. These can be short seasons sometimes. But sometimes there are long seasons we go through. Then all of a sudden there comes a season of reprieve. And you're like, ah, oh, maybe these days are over with. A new leaf is turning. There's new hope. There's new strength. There's new vision. There's new purpose. 
and then out of the blue, like slapping you upside the head, here comes that emotion again. Now you're back in anger. You're back in frustration. You're back in hopelessness. These are tough in life, but we're going to see there's a way that we can have success through all that, that David knew what to turn to and how to turn to it, and that's what we need to glean from that. Let me share one other thing. We'll pray real quick, and we'll jump into the meat of it. The overall, overall point of this lesson is to remind us is that, is that the Word of God is profitable for training us to righteousness. We know that right here, 2 Timothy 3. All Scripture is given by inspiration, i.e. the Holy Spirit of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in what? Uh, our righteousness or his righteousness obviously his righteousness that the man of god may be perfect mature that's the word mature growing developing able to get through these seasons these stumbling blocks that are in our lives may be perfect thoroughly furnished meaning all the resources we need i mean well god can't help me here yeah he can I don't know what God can do about this. He can do everything about that. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Let's pray. We'll get started here. Father, thank you for this morning. Open our hearts. Anoint the words that are spoken that we can grow in your grace. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. If you would, if you stand with me this morning, let's read together out of Psalms 37. Now we're going to jump to the other verse I was mentioning. And we're going to see David's response in light of what he's going through. So if you read with me aloud, verses 23 and 24. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Amen. Thank you. So here we have you know, exactly where David's at, the exact, maybe it's not one event. In David's life, it can be a myriad of events that have been you know, befallen him. But he's under some type of attack, obviously. You can hear David's voice. You can hear his heart crying out. Uh, He's been through it all. He's been through physical attack. He's been through emotional and spiritual attack. Okay? But uh, he does what few believers do or what few believers are mature enough, I should say, to do. And that's the key. Are we mature enough to emulate, to mirror, to copy what we see David does at this time in his life first thing he does i won't go back to psalms 39 hold your place there but in psalms 39 verse 1 the first thing david does he goes back or he calls his covenant walk of righteousness before god back to 39 1 i said i will take heed to my ways that i sin not with my tongue i will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me uh I was looking this up here, and uh, I hope I held on to it here. In the psalm here, it's, it's the, when it talks about the word, it's the primitive word there, it's the word shamar, and it means to hedge. He says, you know, I will take heed. That word he, he means he will hedge, uh, he will guard, he'll protect, he'll t- attend to, uh, he, he will take notice of, to think narrowly towards, observe, prever- you know, preserve, and uh and persevere through so you got these definitions talking about i will take heed david is putting all this focus back to one point a starting point 
a starting point to where his walk of righteousness is not of him. Even though he's been anointed, he's been the, you know, will end up being the greatest king Israel had. Israel flourished greatly underneath him. In spite of all that, David says, look, it's not me. It's what God has led me to. My righteousness lies in God and God alone. And so when we get into our spiritual struggles, our battles, physical, emotional, these things that are stumbling blocks in our lives, these things that call us to cry out to God, say, what are my ways? How, I mean, how many days are my days going to be numbered in this? We've got to understand we always have to start at the beginning. The more we come under oppression, under attack, we need to go right back to the cross. We need to go back and reflect, say, wait a second, I started this journey right here. This is what healed me. This is what saved me. This is what made me whole. This is what uh, healed me. And so if I'm going to find that strength, if I'm going to find healing through this storm, i got to go back and i got to bring into reflection, you know, where I started and where I put all of my hope in. If we start losing sight of the cross, if we're not careful, then we start finding hope or reaching for a hope outside the cross. As we've always said, we quit relying on that that made us well to keep us well. Then we start saying, well, if I start doing this or I start doing that. No, go back and recant and acknowledge the journey you started and the path that set you on. If not, you'll end up wondering, you know, what's the saying? There's a saying that goes something to the fact, be careful which way you're going. You might end up where you're headed. You know, you got to know where you're going. Or you might end up there. Like David, we must choose our path wisely. Look what he tells us in Psalm 16, 11. That will show me the what? The path of life. Get back to the cross. God, you know what's going on. You know where I'm at. You know what I'm under here. Show me the path out of this. I may have to walk through the storm. It may take me through a Red Sea moment, whatever. That's your will, your sovereign. But just show me the path to walk. If not, I don't want to be guessing and choosing my own path because it's vain glory. Show me your path. So we have to ask our, ourselves the same question. What path are we seeking to follow? Especially when the storms in life are upon us. When we're troubled with these same emotions that, that cause us to stumble in our faith or in our walk. What path are we looking for? Are we searching for the path God has for us? This is what David did. David said, hey, whoa, Ty, I'm lost here. Show me where you want me to go, Lord. And that way I don't have to worry about guessing. I don't have to worry about my wisdom. I don't have to worry about my resources. Then I know if God gives me the path, he puts me on the path. He told us he will provide everything we need. We just have to walk it. Walk it in faith. Walk it in obedience. Look what it says in Proverbs 2, 1 through 5. Love this passage of Scripture. Gives us great insight. Talking about heeding to the Word of God. You're talking about, you know, second Peter, correction and proof. It says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou do what? Incline thy ear unto what? Wisdom. And apply thy heart to understanding. Yea, if thou Christ after knowledge, and lifted up thy voice for understanding. If thou seeketh that knowledge and wisdom is silver, and searcheth for her is a hidden treasure, 
then, then shalt thou understand the fear of God and find what? The knowledge we need, the direction we need. We're told here in Proverbs 2, we're told that if we receive, incline, if we seek after these things of God through His Word, His wisdom, His direction, that He'll bestow upon us all the wisdom we need to walk within His Word. The Father's Word has to be a hidden treasure. Now, we, we all have something in our lives. There's something in our heart. There, be it desires, uh, not, not really sinful things, but just the, the goals we want, the aspirations we want. I want this. I want that to happen. I want my kids to be this, my career to be that, my marriage to be like. We, we all have these desires, these things that, that get our attention and our focus. But here's the thing. All those come by way of a flesh. Are we receiving and inclining and seeking after the things of God through His Word is the most valuable treasure there is? Maybe if we did that, I'm just thinking that loud. Maybe if we did that, as God calls us to in Proverbs 2, I wonder what are the odds that our marriage, our children, our finances, and our health would come out a lot better. I think that might be a better path to get what we desire in the flesh if we seek what we should be seeking in the spiritual. Then maybe like, wow, it's amazing how these things just fall into place when we're receiving, inclining, and seeking what David directs us to. It goes on in Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 7. And we're promised the Father is our buckler. When we do these things, He'll be our buckler. That's the word meaning shield. He will shield us from the fiery darts of our enemy against the attack when we walk in His Word. You can go, go ahead and add verses 8 and 9. It tells us the Father will provide His righteousness if we're on the, what's those last two words? Good path. Ah, so if we're on every good path, so are there more than one path out there? In the world there is, is there not? But David's saying, oh, look, wait a second, be wise here. You got all these paths to walk, but there's one good one. Make sure we're on the good path. And then we get his shield. We get his favor. We get his righteousness. So with that be said, let's go back to Psalms 37. And we need to figure out what this good path is that leads us to godliness. And this is what David understood and what David relied upon. So first of all, what, what do we mean by godliness? More my personal interpretation. It, I think godliness is spiritually conforming to the likeness of God in wisdom, in character, and in his attributes. Okay? I have to look at that. Look at 1 Peter 1.16. tells us, because it is written, be ye holy for what? I am holy. So this godliness that we need to emulate, this godliness that David had with him, in spite of the mess that he was, and David was a greater mess than any of us, probably all of us put together, but David knew that he desired and he had to mirror godliness. And he knew he needed to reflect that. He knew he wanted to be all that God was in his life and what God had for him in his life. So Psalm 37 that we're going to look at here, that David sends us on this path, is what's called one of the wisdom psalms. It's so called because these psalms stress the importance of wisdom as a result of knowing 
God and providing instructions on knowing God. So this psalm here is riddled with a good path, a course in which we are to, to send ourselves on to accomplish what God has in us and the good God has for us. So this psalm opens with four admonitions, so to speak, or you know, directions or advice for achieving the godliness in life that we see that David had. And embedded in each of these admonitions are promises of what comes by way when we choose this good path. Fair enough? Here we go, and we're going to be through for the day. The Cowboys aren't even playing. I'm going to get y'all out this early. Look at that. All right, number one. So let's go to Psalms here, 37. It says, what's that very first word? Ah, I should be, if you're a writer in the Bible, you may want to, don't do what I do. I got it underlined, highlighted, quotation marks, five or six verses off to the side. Trust. Trust in the Lord. Now, is that hard to understand? Do we need to go to seminary school to figure out what that first word there in, in Psalms 37 is? No. David says, trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be what? Fed. How many times in life that you choose, or we, or I, I know I have chosen my own path to only get so far down that path that I find myself so spiritually malnourished that I'm begging for anything to eat. Give, give me something, God. I am so lost, God, I, I can't find anything to sustain me. Oh, I'm gorging myself. I'm eating everything, you know, this fast-paced microwave world has to offer. I'm gorging myself, and no matter what I eat, it's kind of like Chinese food. No matter how much you eat, hour later, you're like, I'm hungry. You know? Yeah, y'all been there, haven't you? You know, so it's like that. You get into life, and you gorge on life, and it looks like a good path. Man, look at all this I can consume. I'm consuming so much, accomplishing so much. And then when you're by yourself, you're like, but I'm spiritually malnourished. I'm starving. God says, trust me. Trust in the Lord, and you shall be fed. Now, do you think what the Lord feeds us with is something that we're going to regurgitate, or an hour later we're going to be hungry again? No. It sustains us eternally. Everything from the Lord that we take in is going to reward us and, and bless us eternally. Not like a, going through McDonald's or something. He will feed us. Trust in verse 3, it provides safety, it says. When you cultivate a life of devotion and confidence in God, then God will watch over you, and He will provide for you spiritual needs that you cannot accomplish in this world. He will feed us and protect us in a way that we can't do it through our own power. This is what David understood. David, the most powerful king in the land, the, the greatest king there was, and he's running and hiding in caves from Saul, though he's not the king at the time, hiding from Saul, then he's having to run from his own son Absalom. You're thinking, if you're king, why aren't you just killing everybody, controlling everything? You got it in your hand? You're all that in a bag of chips. You can control it all. I guarantee you David had a lot more resources than we did, and he couldn't control it all. He was running for his life, not only physically, but you're reading the scriptures the whole time he's running, he's crying out for help and direction and protection and deliverance. Guys, if David can't do it, 
I guarantee you, I know Todd can't do it. Because I don't have the resources David has. I don't have probably as much favor in my life as David has. And I know if David says, I learned I got to trust in the Lord, it might be wise for me to try to emulate that and figure out how I can trust in the Lord more. Number two, in verse four, it goes on to say delight. There it is, very first word. Trust in the Lord, delight thyself in the Lord. And he shall, what's that word, give? Give thee what? Desires of the heart. Quickly, we, we want as Christians call out the verse. It says, oh, pray to God. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, <laughs> there's a precursor to that. It's not a genie in the bottle that we just lift up this, the, this want list, this spiritual bucket list or, or temporal bucket list, and, and we just go before the throne boldly, and he's just going to bestow upon us all these things that we have because we go to church. No. We've got to delight Meaning that word is, is, is effeminate. It, it, you know, it's not talking about physically. It's talking about emotionally, spiritually. Then it provides the Lord's favor. When we find happiness and fulfillment in accomplishing, and watch this, here it is, in accomplishing God's will for our lives, then it brings favor about. See, we want to do life our way and then get all of God's favor on the other side of the ledger. No, we got to delight. That means our heart, our desires, need to be not in our temporal flesh, but in God's perfect will through us. That's what we got to delight in. Is God going to be all that in a bag of chips for me? Am I living in a way, walking away, in God's word in a way, in prayer in a way, using my gifts in a way? For God's will to work in and through my life. If God's a Sunday morning relationship, an occasional Wednesday night relationship, that's not delighting in the Lord. It's a daily, step by step, beat by beat of our heart, breath by breath of our lungs, thought by thought that goes through our mind. Is it driven towards God's perfect will for our lives? That's delighting in the Lord. Delighting in His perfect will, working through our imperfect life, which will end up being for our good, but ultimately for His glory. That's delighting in the Lord. Now, here it is. I've got a few minutes here. This is the one I wanted to put some emphasis on. Number five. What's that word? Ah. Uh, Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust again also in him, and he shall what? Now, what do you think the it is? You think it's fair to say that it encompasses everything we need? Yeah. Everything we need and everything he has for us based on his eternal good. When we commit ourselves to the Lord, it provides deliverance and righteousness. When our complete focus is on God, then He will form you into the example of godliness to others that they will simply want what we have. The result of commitment is, a, is, a, is vital to our godliness. Commitment is what transforms God's promises into reality. Catch that. 
Commitment is what transforms God's promises into reality. Different numbers, but it's in the thousands of promises that are in these scriptures. There's a promise for every need of our life. Every step we take, every battle we're facing, God has a promise to work through that. But that comes by way of our commitment to that promise. That's what brings it about in our life. Are we committed to that promise? The commitment of oneself to God gives the Holy Spirit opportunity to grant one the holiness in and through Jesus Christ. Without commitment, one is only left with the promises and the purposes of God, but without results in their life. It's like these promises are on that silver spiritual platter. The promises are right there. What do we do with them? Are we committed to them? Are we delighting in them? Are we trusting in them? Or we just want it all on God. We just want God just to email it to us or put it in our bank account or clean up our, our health report at the hospital. Commitment is a process of bringing our time, our talents, our ties into full alignment to God's will and God's purpose in our life. It's surrendering all. It's really what it comes down to. If we're committed, then we're in surrenderance to God. David reminds us commitment or committing our way to the Lord is an act of trust. He repeated the word trust. It speaks to our responsibility to serve God in the result of discharging our duty faithfully and spiritually. Now, it's interesting, this word commit here in this passage, we also see it in Genesis 29, and we see it in Psalms 22, is the Hebrew word galal, or gaal, how you pronounce it, meaning, and it means to roll. The same way it's used in Genesis 29, Psalms 22, passage, it's the idea of like rolling something across the table to the Lord. It's like you're at a part in your life that you're sitting there, and if you visualize the table, you and the Lord are sitting there, you're at a point into your life, and you got all this minutia, this life, these trials, everything about you is before, and you're just like, you're just like, there. It's yours, God. It's all, I mean, do with it what you want. I can't juggle it anymore. I don't have the resources to deal with it. I've fought it in the flesh as long as I can fight it, and I'm just getting deeper and deeper. I'm just rolling it across the table to you. It's yours. And do what? We're going to see our last word, patience. But now, I'm, I'm committed. I'm committed to giving it all to you. I've done everything I can do with it. I've gotten as far as I can get, and I'm not getting any farther. I'm getting deeper and more lost and more hopeless. The idea of rolling is illustrative of, you know, as I said, just pushing it across the table. Maybe not the best analogy in church. I'm, by no means am I condoning it. But we're all familiar with the game Texas Hold'em, how popular that is. And what's interesting about Texas Hold'em, you know, kind of the, the gist of the whole game, you get to it. If you ever watch it on TV, somebody, <clears throat> excuse me, somebody gets to that point, you know, they show you their cards on everybody's cards. You know, you get to see what they're doing. And you see them, man, they're, they're, don't they get to that point? They're committed. Hence the term what? All in. Look at it. Look what I got right here. 
Now, I know it's a poor analogy, but when it comes to God, do we get to that point in our lives that instead of looking at a deck of cards, we're looking at this? We're going, wow, look at this. Look at this. Look at these promises. Look at these answers. Look at this path God has for me. I'm all in. I'm all in. It's all yours. That's where I'm going. I'm going big or going home. I think, is that how you say it? I'm going big or I'm going home. Now, don't do that to Vegas or Shreveport. I don't know how that's going to work out for you. But I'm telling you, when it comes to the Word of God, if we take the Word of God as if these spiritual playing cards, and you're like, I see the promise. I don't care what anybody has. I know what I got, and I'm all in. I'm rolling it across the table. Man, what a promise. That's that total surrender. In the Hebrew syntax, it reveals the idea that we commit our work to the Lord in order that His plans will and can be established in us. But we must first do our part. We have to trust. We have to delight. And we have to commit. We have to surrender ourselves. When we do these things, well, then we can look at Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for what? For good. How many times you hear, and that's the last word you hear, all things work together for good? We never get to that rolling in part, do we? Nobody seems to quote that part of the Scripture very much. Oh, all things work together for good, that love the Lord. And oh, Lord, you know I love you. I went to church Sunday. You know I love you. No. You've got to read what's after the comma, too. To them that are called according to what? Oh, maybe there's something we have to put into the game. Maybe we have to be willing to roll certain aspects of our temporal, fleshly life across the table to him and learn how to trust, how to delight, and how to commit to what he has for us. Then we see the good path that God has for us. The fourth admonition we have, we'll close with this, is rest, verse 7. Rest in the Lord. And wait, what? Oh, that's that word we hate. Wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself because of him, but uh, prospereth in his way because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. God, I wait, I go to church, I read my Bible, I pray, and the only thing I do, I come to church, I hear everybody's testimonies, how you're doing great things in your life, and nothing's coming my way. Your biggest problem, my biggest problem there, is that we're looking around the sanctuary instead of looking up at the Lord of the church. Wait patiently. If there's anybody that had to be patient, you say, Job, well, Job, without a doubt. But David, man, David found his time, places, and situations. Obviously, you read in the Psalms, he had nothing but God, and he had to wait for God. Don't be looking around. Don't be comparing yourself, your life, your situation to this world. There's very little man can do for you. Our patience has to be in the one that provides it all, the one that feeds us, the one that protects us. Our patience with God, you hear say it all the time, will determine his purpose with us. And in my life, I can't speak for you, but in 90% of my life, when I 
have, have rested and found patience in the Lord, it's been the best solution to all my problems. I just surrender it to God. And it's frustrating to Sam sometimes. I'm not saying Sam, she's more spiritual and wiser than I am. But for some reason, maybe the gift of faith I have, I, I, it's easy for me to rest. You know, I don't know. Why, why sit here and debate it and, 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 and not fight, but debate it and, and get stressed out and anxiety? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? How are you going to do? I, I don't know what we're going to do. Only thing I know I'm going to do is tomorrow morning I'm going to get up, get my coffee, open my Bible, read his word, pray, and go out and use my gifts, serve someone, talk about Jesus, and tomorrow we can see what's, where we're at. And, and I, that's not because of my great spiritual maturity. Again, I chalk it up to my gift of faith. That's all I know to do. But what I do know when I take that approach just get in the Word of God, do my devotions, pray, and serve others. Or and I'll realize I'm not talking about those things I was talking about. And then before you know what you're like, oh, wow, I never came about. All that stuff we were worried about, it just seemed to work out for good. Why? Because you choose the good path. And God will make everything good on the good path. Don't be blazing your own past. I know what I need to do. I'm not a dumb rock. I know God's given me a brain, and he expects me to use my brain. I may have chosen that path before. I have to hold you. I'd have to, I need a stool up here. Let me close with this. Being still, knowing he is God and controls it all. The wisdom we're called to here in Psalms 39 is a wisdom that a lot of Christians miss. Why? Because we're non-trusting, we're undelighted, and we're non-committed. And if you're none of those things, it's almost a guarantee you won't have any patience either. David says, the only thing I know to do, I just trust in the Lord, delight in the Lord, commit, surrender, rolled it across the table to the Lord, and I just sit patiently in prayer with the Lord. And look how David's life turned out. Perfect? No. But he was a man that God says, there's a man after my heart right there. Because David learned to trust, delight, commit, and wait patiently. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the victories last night. While we put together a, a little fall festival, you brought about salvation through it. And Father, if nothing else, we come this morning to celebrate that, to rejoice over a soul whose name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Father, I pray again this morning, we don't have a fall festival going on, but hey, the gospel's still the gospel. If there's anyone here this morning that may be hearing that story, saying, wow, if I was sitting on that step, I can't say that I'd know for sure. If I died, I'd go to heaven. Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd move through every heart this morning, that no one would leave here without knowing that for sure. 
Father, we're talking about trusting, delighting, committing. Father, all those are secondary issues to trusting in you for eternal life and their salvation. So again, I pray that you would anoint a heart that through humility would just be willing to come down and, and hear how they can know for sure. Somebody can take them in a side room and share with them privately the greatest gift of all and the greatest promise we have. Father, those that are saved, pray that we can learn from David this morning. That understand we have trials in life. We have character traits that come out of us that are just stumbling blocks in our lives that just keep on rearing their ugly heads. We just have to be willing to choose the good path. To walk the path that David walked and to let your goodness work through our lives. Your favor, your protection, your deliverance, your righteousness that you promised Father, again, as the music plays, and this has that hearts are moved, respond to the Holy Spirit. Commitment's a big thing. The strength of any relationship, from marriage to friends, our children, so much that is based on the depth of our commitment to it. Are we totally surrender to it? Are we all in? This is what God calls us to. God doesn't play around spiritually. This is eternal. These are eternal truths and promise from our Creator. There's no one more committed than our Savior who stepped out of eternity, out of the Spirit, into flesh to die a cruel death on a cross so we can have eternal life. We don't have to worry about commitment on the other side of the table. Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, the Godhead, they're all in. Don't question that. They're all, they bankrupted heaven for us. The question is, we're sitting across that table. Are we all in? Are we committed to everything God has for us? And be willing to walk that good path. Brother Rex, one of our ministry leaders, to close us in prayer. Let us pray. Praise Heavenly Father, we just come. We just thank you for the message that came to us today, Father. Our ears is open, Father, to hear the words, Father. Let me see, Father, what you have done for us, Father. Be with those, Father, who are sick, Father, who are shut in and are unable to attend this morning, Father. Be with those who are traveling on the highways, Father, in the byways. Give them travel and mercy and return them back home safely, Father. Thank you. Let's go with us throughout this day, Father. Lift your name up on high. In Jesus' name we pray.